Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. It's time for the Newsmax Daily from Newsmax, America's fastest-growing cable news channel. Now, now, here's your host, Rob Carson. Welcome to the show. I don't know whether we're on the brink of war. I don't know what's going to happen with a trucker protest in the nation's capital. I know one thing. I sure as heck hope that what happens at our nation capital is not what happened in Ottawa, which we will get to very shortly on the show. The Canadian government, under the uh, the leadership, the di- dictatorial leadership of Justin Trudeau, managed to uh, swat back the Canada's uh, the Canadian truckers' protest in Ottawa, by the way, in Ottawa, but not around the country. So I've got a lot of audio I want to share with regard to that uh this ain't over this ain't over and in this country in our country it is uh it is just beginning all right it is just beginning now before i get into where canada got the idea where canada the government of canada the federal government of canada got the idea on how to uh, treat the protesters and then disperse the protesters i'll share with you where they got their inspiration uh and that's coming up in a second i do want to play something i believe this was recorded over the weekend this is our president joe biden uh, addressing a number of uh, of issues including uh justin trudeau and what happened in canada or was about to happen here's the president the president of the united states i'm awake my fellow geraniums our nation's in crisis joe brogan has just said the n-word to snooki goldberg no one's watching the winter limp biscuits and i've just been informed the president minister of Canada, Jesse Trombone, yeah. has been killed by trucks. Oh, jeez. He'll be sorely missed. Not only was he the first black guy Pez minister, he was a great American. And also a, a great Muslim guy. Yeah. Our farts and prayers go out to the... Fa- not not, not our, our farts. Look, look. There's these trucks. They transform. Yeah. They turn into robots. Oh man, we gotta get get these things running around, honking, honking around, turning into people. But don't you worry, don't you fret. Uncle Joy is on the case. First, I sent Pr- Vice Principal Canola Harelip to the planet of the truck people to open a dialogue with Optimus Prime. Second, I've asked Congress to increase my dosage of talkie pills. And finally, <laughs> I've approved emergency funding to distribute free crack pipes to every man, woman, and trans Jenga. Tell us, stay alert. When the truck people, uh, and he fell asleep. Then that was uh, it was Joe Biden on Friday, I, I guess. That was him on. We got uh, maple syrup for blood, man. No wimpy goldbums. Okay, uh, that is <laughs> Joe Biden. Uh, apparently uh, recorded on Friday. Um, now actually, it was just a comedian. I'll share who that comedian is uh, very shortly on the show. But after this weekend, he is being hailed as the greatest presidential impersonator of all time. Uh, that is coming up on the show. <sighs> all right. So let's get to uh, Canada, shall we? Shall we get to Canada? 
Well, let's before we do that, let's let's talk uh, uh, Kamala Harris and Ukraine and Russia and the possibility of war. Because we are, uh, there's a possibility of war. And, and by the way, Kamala Harris says our gas prices are going to go up because you see now we're, we're actually importing Russian oil and uh, we are um, basically slaves to OPEC again. So if something like, you know, the invasion of uh, Ukraine happens, she's saying we're, our gas prices are going to go through the ceiling even though they don't have to because the Biden administration created the problem. She has raised the alarm of war in Europe. Uh, Vice President Kamala Harris further raised the alarm of Russian uh, President Vladimir Putin invading Ukraine using the word war on Sunday for the first time during her visit to Munich. She says, I mean, listen, guys, we're talking about the potential for war in Europe. I mean, let's really take a moment to understand the significance of what we're talking about. That's what she said. And she also said that uh, uh, Vladimir Putin has already made up his mind about going to war and invading Ukraine. And here she is talking about that. But if you believe Putin has made up his mind, what leverage do you really have? Why not put those sanctions in place now? The purpose of the sanctions has always been and continues to be deterrence. Now, he's already made up his mind. They're going to war and they still haven't done the sanctions, which would be kind of nonsensical at this point. But let's also recognize the unique nature of the sanctions that we have outlined. Now, the outline, but they haven't done. These are some of the greatest sanctions, if not the, the, the strongest, that we've ever issued. And we have actually, we've, we've said we're going to do it, but we haven't. As I articulated yesterday, it, it is directed at institutions, in particular financial institutions yeah. and individuals. Kind of like Canada did to the Canadian truckers. It will exact absolute harm for the Russian economy and their government. And we won't do them until the uh, Ukraine has been invaded. Putin has made up his mind. Do you feel that this threat that has been looming is really going to deter him? Absolutely. We strongly believe. And, and remember, <laughs> well, we strongly believe that'll work. Remember also that the sanctions are a product not only of yeah. our perspective as the United States, yes, what? but a shared perspective among our allies. All the other wimpy uh, uh, world rulers that are being run over by Vladimir Putin. And the allied relationship is such that we have agreed yes. that the deterrence effect of these sanctions yes. is still a meaningful one, yeah. especially because, remember also, what? we still sincerely hope that there is a diplomatic path. Yeah, well, uh, you know, the best way to do that is to, I don't know, maybe start the sanctions now. By the way, there's a lot of praise for uh, Kamala Harris not leading the border of our country, but uh, the Ukrainian border. And uh, and this is uh, Sebastian Gorka appearing on Newsmax after uh, the praise from the liberal media for Kamala Harris not doing anything uh, trying to prevent the war of Ukraine and Russia. It looks like she's stuck to the script here, but former Deputy Assistant Secretary of State Joel Rubin tweeted... this. His review of her remarks, VP Harris just made the single most significant speech by an American leader in a global forum to prevent war since the Cuban Missile Crisis in 1962. This is American leadership and action. Sebastian, your reaction. I mean, if that tweet is real, that person has a future as a stand-up comic because she is a clown show. Yes. Tackling Kamala. This, this is the person. Can we just remind the, the Newsmax viewership? This is the person that was made Biden's borders are. By the way, I just want to say this. Um, the fact that Joe Biden sent Kamala Harris to uh, Europe 
as an intermediary to stop Russia from invading Ukraine shows us how unbelievably unserious we are. This is the woman in charge of our border who has let two million illegal aliens across the border, who has allowed the drug industry, the smuggling of drugs into America to such an effect that more people died from drug overdoses last year than died in the whole of the Vietnam War as U.S. casualties. Yeah, so uh, basically, um, Russia has no uh, reason to not invade Ukraine at this point. Uh, they're getting a bunch of uh, threats of sanctions from a country that gave him a pipeline that he only dreamed of. Honestly, it's, it's a joke. It's a joke. We are expecting a, a special guest later in the show, the guy who actually killed bin Laden. And uh, he's got his own perspective on what's going on with regard to uh, the U.K. and Russia. But I'm not holding my breath about anything. A couple of things that we can be, I really think we can be assured of, is that Russia will in some way, shape, or form uh, invade Ukraine. And your gas prices are going to go up, which is going to happen anyway. So there you go. That's pretty much it in a nutshell. In a nutshell. Justin Trudeau was inspired by someone and a country with regard to his reaction to the Canada truckers. And it was the United States of America in January the 6th. I want you to think about this. Joe Biden and the Democrat Party for years, for years, Hillary Clinton, uh, the mainstream media, uh, big social media, have all been calling Trump supporters white supremacists. They've been haunting Trump supporters from the day that he announced that he was going to run for president. I remember that uh, Antifa uh, protesters and Democrats would actually infiltrate the lines to get into Trump rallies originally and start fights. They were there to infiltrate the rallies and make it look like Trump voters were violent. None of that was true. But it got worse. It got worse. When Trump was inaugurated, his supporters were attacked verbally and physically outside of the inauguration, outside of the, the festivities of the White House that night. And I could go on and on and on. And when a million Trump voters showed up in Washington, D.C. on January the 6th to protest all of the chicanery with regard to the elections, they were called conspiracy theorists. They were called seditionists. They were called infiltrators. They were uh, demonized from day one. And then they were invited to the Capitol. They were infiltrated by at least 13 left-of-center groups, the Capitol Police and the FBI. And ultimately, there are people still sitting in jail in Washington, D.C., none of them for insurrection, none of them for overthrowing the government, but they are being kept in jail. They're having their trials delayed and delayed and delayed, violating their constitutional rights. They are being kept in solitary confinement. 22 hours a day, anytime they give an interview that is pro-protest, pro-January the 6th, pro-Donald Trump, all of them are shut down. And Justin Trudeau went into this weekend with Joe Biden as the template, with January 6th being the template. Look, if you can get away with this in a country that has the First Amendment, then you can do anything in Canada. That was the template. Joe Biden teed it up for him. Joe Biden consulted him before this weekend. Joe Biden gave him a thumbs up. This is the uh, new Ottawa police chief talking about even if the truckers left the capital of Ottawa, what would happen to them? I want you to listen to this and think of the January 6th protesters. If the protesters at this point, uh, you know, uh, retreat and go home, 
uh, are they going to be getting sort of repercussions down the road? Or are you going to be sort of actively pursuing the people that you've been sort of documenting and filming? Who now, this is after everybody's gone. Everybody has gone home. Still out there protesting. What are your plans after this, uh, after the protest is over? Thank you. It's a great question. And the simple answer is yes. If you are involved in this protest, we will actively look to identify you and follow up with financial sanctions wow. and criminal charges. Wow. Absolutely. <laughs> this investigation wow. will go on for months to come. It has many, many different streams, both from a federal uh, financial level, from a provincial licensing level, from a criminal code level, from a municipal breach of court order, breach of court injunction level. It will be a complicated and time consuming. They're going to go after them and ruin their lives indefinitely. Um, investigation that will go on for a period of time. You have my commitment that that. This man isn't a police officer. He's a jackbooted thug. He's an insult. He's an insult to the uniform. Investigation will continue and we will hold people accountable for taking our streets over. Yeah, taking our streets over. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Black Lives Matter literally tore down statues and burned buildings in Canada, just like happened in the United States. None of them, none of their bank accounts are being monitored and shut down. None of their lives have been destroyed like this. Here he is talking about a very popular uh, Stalinistic term, which is called uh, misinformation. Yeah, we've been pretty clear from the beginning. We're, we're actually not going to discuss the tactics we use. Uh, one of the things we're not going to discuss running over people with horses that you've seen that we've been we're not going to discuss rubber bullets on peaceful, genuinely peaceful protesters engaged in is we we we're monitoring. We've learned from previous protests and demonstrations. We're monitoring the coverage. Uh, one of the tactics that the protesters oh, we're monitoring the coverage, like maybe on social media, maybe even I don't know, getting in touch with social media companies, maybe even threatening them demonstrators are using is misinformation ah, uh, information misinformation a term that joseph stalin used in 1923 he actually set up a dark police force called the department of misinformation that is inaccurate uh, information that misleads the public uh, we're actively tweeting information that misleads the public anything that the government says cannot be disagreed with and providing information out in through social media and other media um, mechanisms in order to be able to try and get accurate factual information. See, they're doing the same damn thing in Canada. They're doing the same thing in Canada. They're taking their cues from what should be the freest country in the world to become a totalitarian state. Around what is going on within the protest without actually uh, divulging any police tactics. Wow, you know guys, uh, we used to inspire the world with regard to freedom and now we are inspiring dictators in the world on how to put it down. Let's go to uh, Steve in Monterey, California. He wants to talk about Justin Trudeau. Hello, Steve, and welcome to the show. Go ahead, sir. Thank you, Rob. When I heard that Justin Trudeau is imposing uh, tactics like seizing bank accounts and shutting down finances of protesters and ringleaders, I thought, geez, I don't think any government has that right, much less Canada. And, you know, I'm one who thinks that Hitler was a prototype experiment hatched from the Kremlin, okay? Mm -hmm. They even went in and finished him off, you'll, call, you'll recall. And I wonder, is Canada being used as a path to take over America by the Kremlin? If this is the case with Canada, which I always thought of as a great uh, free, freedom-loving people, 
but they better wake up, and America had better wake up, because we are soft and spoiled. We are silly. We are silly-fied by our media. (laughs) we got to wake up and address these things, folks. It could happen here. Yeah. Uh, It uh... is happening. Well, it already is. Steve, Steve, last year, uh, actually 2020, we gave up the right to go to church. We gave up the right to go to school. We gave up the right to have a business. We gave up the right to be able to freely assemble, even in backyard gatherings. We bent over and took it quite, quite, uh, quite proudly in the name of a virus before we even had the, uh, the facts in. And there are those in the Democrat Party who don't want to let that power go. Things have changed since the Sony Walkman. Remember that back in the 80s and you'd put the headphones over your ears and you'd go out and you'd walk around everything and, you you know, the, the battery in your Walkman would last a couple hours. Well, now there are earbuds and lots and lots of them out there. Raycon wireless earbuds are exceptional. Why? Well, because they have a 32-hour battery life so you can listen to what you want when you want for a really long time, like this podcast. Yeah. Sometimes you need some upbeat music to pump you up. Maybe you need something to kind of meditate, clear your head. Kids are making noise in the background. Raycon started half the price of other premium audio brands, but they sound just as good. And Raycon's come with a 45-day happiness guarantee. So you really can't lose. Give them a try, and you will see what I mean. I promise you. Check this out. Go to buyraycon.com slash Newsmax and get 15% off your Raycon order. Okay? Buyraycon.com slash Newsmax to save 15% on Raycons. Again, buyraycon.com slash Newsmax. This is a story, a column from uh, Daniel Dickin of Politico. Why Canada will become a dictatorship under Trudeau. It's becoming clear as the days of Trudeau's liberals wear on. If elected, this is a couple years ago, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau would turn Canada into a dictatorship. This is the man who admitted he admires China's basic dictatorship. It wasn't just a sarcastic comment. He seriously said he admires the dictatorship because they can get things done quickly. Just the imagery of Trudeau's chosen candidate being selected with police intervention is scary. It shows that Trudeau doesn't just admire China's dictatorship. He would practice one if he had the chance. The Liberal Caucus randomly learned one morning early last year that their leader had come up with a new dictate that all liberals would be expected, no, required to vote pro-choice. The result is that liberal MPs, those are lawmakers who dare question the dictate of Trudeau, are being punished. Those who dare disagree have already been punished, resigned, or indicated they would not seek another term in office, at least not under the iron fist of Trudeau. So he already did a purge, which is uh, illegal or legal in Canada, not here. Uh, the, the, the article wraps up with, would a Prime Minister Trudeau arbitrarily whip the vote and outlaw certain moral questions? Could Prime Minister Trudeau be trusted to make decisions for the good of the country, not just for his personal self-worth? Would Trudeau call in the police to enforce his vision? Trudeau's a dictator, guys. <laughs> he is. He is. Some people are fighting back. As I mentioned earlier, a march doesn't mean anything when it comes to a dictator. A march means nothing. This is a Toronto protest uh, attended by tens of thousands of people. <laughs> All of this will fall on deaf ears with regard to Justin Trudeau. He never listened to the opposition, nor does he ever plan to. Do we allow that to happen here? Months ago, I thought the only way that Washington, D.C., the swamp dwellers, could ever understand the plight of 
the American people with regard to COVID lockdowns, business closings, restrictions of freedoms, masking in schools, children with remote learning, all of this nonsense would be to impact those in power in Washington, D.C. I had hoped that maybe a million people would go to Washington, D.C., bring their cars, crowd downtown D.C., hoping that might be big enough to send the message. But now something bigger could be happening. And that is a convoy starting in California that is going to blow up around the country. I had heard 10,000 trucks in Canada at one point. The United States, our truckers will make that pale by comparison. And by the way, I heard that Republican lawmakers were offering asylum to Canadian truckers during this time to avoid being persecuted. What's the biggest thing that can happen to Washington, D.C. visually and the biggest thing that can happen to Washington, D.C. with regard to the largesse that Washington, D.C. enjoys? shutting down the beltway, blockading the city. Do I want this to happen? No. Will it uh, stop store shelves from getting filled in Washington, D.C.? Most probably. I, I had also hoped after the crushing of the protests this weekend in Canada that there would be a national strike by truck drivers across Canada. I think it needs to happen. Uh, I've got a freezer full at home that I've, I prepared for a variety of contingencies. And I think that the only thing that Washington, D.C. will understand is if they have to do without. Right now, Washington, D.C., we have uh, uh, seven of the ten richest counties in America surround Washington, D.C. Uh, what has the United States government done to listen to parents around the country at school board meetings, uh, conservatives letting school board elections? Nothing. Joe Biden still thinks that kids should be masked in schools and on buses. Now, we have a special guest, somebody who I have uh, seen on television for years, somebody I've been dying to interview for a very long time. His name is Robert O'Neill, Senior Chief Petty Officer, retired U.S. SEAL Team 6. The man who shot and killed Osama bin Laden joins us on the Newsmax hotline. Robert O'Neill, welcome to the show. Good day. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. How's it going? Uh, you know, it's good. And, and as far as uh, guests are concerned, I would call this really epic for me. I've been watching you do interviews for years, and I am grateful that you found the time to talk to me today, sir. Well, I appreciate you guys reaching out. This is a lot of fun. Um, uh, <laughs> what I like about it is this can go anywhere we want it to go. We can talk about literally anything. <laughs> well, we do talk a lot, about, a lot about stuff. What I want to talk to you about is um, Ukraine and what's going on with regard to Russia. Now, last week, Russia said that they were withdrawing troops, uh, essentially laughing at the United States, saying, ha ha, we played you, now we hear. And I don't know why the media can misunderstand 120,000 troops with 160,000 troops, but it looks like now Vladimir Putin is playing again, once again, after all of that nonsense last week with an imminent uh, invasion on Wednesday. What is going on, Robert, and, and uh, are we being played by Russia? Yes, we are, we are being played. The uh, Vladimir Putin's been wanting to do this for a long time. He's been upset with the uh, United States since, obviously, when the, the Soviet Union collapsed. He wants to destroy the dollar right now. He sees uh, not only uh, division in this country as far as uh, normal people, uh, the media, 
uh, but he sees weakness in this administration. Now's the time to do this because he wants us to uh, spread ourselves thin. There's, there's a lot more to it than just Ukraine. There's obviously what China's yeah. doing in Taiwan now that the Olympics are over, especially. But, uh, you know, he's, he's going to mess around with us. He, he can do anything he wants. If, if, if he can have his soldiers and his, uh, you know, his army shoot at Ukraine, and once they respond, they can say, well, we're just defending ourselves. You know, yeah. 180,000 people that we put on the border are defending themselves, which is nonsense. But uh, no, I don't think, you know, you try to, I try to put myself in other people's shoes. I don't think he wants to govern Ukraine. He definitely wants to have influence over. But, he, you know, he wants to just, he wants to mess around with us. I don't think he is. He kind of knows what would happen. And uh, we are at a point where there are basically two men with their finger on the button for a lot of nuclear weapons that could be launched in about 10 minutes, which is very scary. And, if, yeah. you know, I, I'm, I'm concerned with the way a lot of people, pundits and politicians, bureaucrats, throw the word nuclear around because that's not going to be like an invasion of Afghanistan for us. That could be the end of our lives as we know it, which is very yeah. scary. But I think he's playing. He's just playing right now. He has no interest in getting a nuclear war and doesn't really need to invade, invade Ukraine. It's the same reason uh, that we don't have any interest in Ukraine. Yes. Uh, we're just kind of throwing it around. I think it just it, you know, it distracts the American people, the 24-hour news cycle, from what's going on here. As opposed to Ukraine and sending the vice president over there to talk about their border. As the borders are, she should be concerned about our border, but she's not. Well, I think it's kind of funny, and I made the point this morning that Russia has no compelling interest uh, to listen to the United States right now. That the fact that they would send, and honestly, I would consider it an insult that somebody would send Kamala Harris <laughs> to, to Europe to negotiate some sort of uh, deal. And now Joe Biden is saying if Vladimir Putin does not uh, invade Ukraine, he will uh, offer a meeting to Vladimir Putin. So please try to explain to me how the United States would Joe Biden as the president presents any sort of compelling argument to Vladimir Putin that he should not invade Ukraine. What will happen to Russia if they invade Ukraine from NATO and the United States? Well, I mean, if, if they invade Ukraine, they're going to take Kiev as fast as they want to. That's not going to be a problem for them because you got to figure it's all good and fine for cameras when you're training with wooden guns. But when the Russian tanks roll over the horizon, you're going to lose that fight. Uh, but Vladimir Putin knows from experience what happens in an insurgency, which would happen in Ukraine. Because I'm not saying they aren't great people. They are great people. Uh, they want to fight for their country. And they really don't like the Russians. So they're going to stick around and fight the insurgencies like they do. And big, uh, we've proven it in Afghanistan. Russia's proven in Afghanistan is very hard to fight an insurgency. And they don't want to get sucked into that. But it's almost worth, if I was in Vladimir Putin's shoes, being the type of person he is, it would be worth me not invading Ukraine just to debate Joe Biden, in my second or third <laughs> language, he's still going to crush him. But I mean, yeah. even in English, Vladimir, Vladimir Putin would almost, just, just from a narcissistic alpha male point of view, he, he probably wants that. I mean, it's not yeah. like Joe Biden's going to go in there and talk circles around him. Yeah, now you are a uh, uh, former soldier. Uh, you were part of an elite group of soldiers, uh, Navy SEAL Team 6. Um, and, and you uh, were trained to give your life for others, you were trained to unflinchingly follow the orders of your commander. Um, what would you say as a soldier if Joe Biden said, I need you to go fight for Ukraine? Um, as a soldier, I'm going to, uh, you know, I'm obviously going to follow the chain of command because you don't want anarchy in the ranks. Uh, I was fortunate at SEAL Team 6 where we were, at, we were actually allowed to uh, give our input. And I would tell them it's a really bad idea to fight in Ukraine, and it's a really bad idea to fight Russia. Not to, well, The United States, you know, we, we still are the, the, the greatest military power in the world. We're designed to fight large armies and large navies. This is a bad idea, though, because this is, you know, we're, we're, 
we're getting into the point of not just anti-aircraft weapons, anti-tank weapons, uh, smart technology, night vision, lasers, but we're talking about hypersonic missiles and magnets. We're talking yeah. about war to the point as far as cyber technology where you don't need to shoot an army, you just turn them off. And so what happens at the point? Can you imagine like a millennial nowadays that, that just lost GPS? They couldn't find their way around their hometown. <laughs> I, I, I know, I know, you know, nothing against the different generations. Me, of course, being an old man now, I was harder in my day type stuff. There are a lot of people out there that can't tell time on a clock, can't write in cursive. They certainly can't do map and compass or navigate underwater. So we're talking a completely different level of, of chaos if a war happens with big wars. Plus, you know, Ukraine's not in NATO. Um, and even though they're not, they're not our problem. Europe can handle it. That's, I mean, I just, it's, it's stupid to, a lot of these, they call themselves war hawks. They wear, they wear really nice fitting suits around the beltway. And all they know is D.C. and they know the media in New York. They don't know what war is. They've never had families at war. I even, I even poke fun at Because, like, even now I'm seeing stuff like, well, he was a draft dodger. He was a draft dodger. I even make jokes about that. Like, you know, President George W. Bush did an excellent job, though, keeping the Viet Cong out of Texas. Like, come on. A lot of these people that are making decisions aren't there on the front lines. And war is very scary, very violent, very loud. And it's perfect. Yeah. And yeah. uh, they shouldn't be throwing, especially the word nuclear. I, I, both sides of the aisle are guilty of it. And here's what's scary, too. I, I, you know, we have crazies on both sides of the aisle. Um, a lot of these politicians that are pushing for war, look at their major donors. You're seeing Lockheed yeah. Martin, Raytheon, BAE. Yeah. You know, there's money in war. And, and like it or not, a lot of wars are fought for money. It's very, very expensive to go to war, and, and they love to make this stuff to get the contract to back, you know, show their own pockets. I'm not cool with a lot of these wars because real people really die on, on, both, on both sides. And it's just it's not a fun thing, especially with huge superpowers. Now we're talking to uh, Robert O'Neill, uh, former U.S. Navy SEAL Team 6 member, also the man who killed Osama bin Laden. Um, uh, let me ask you, uh, with regard to your mission that night, and, and I've seen the, uh, you know, we've seen the movie and everything. Um, I want to I want to focus on that for just a second. When we watched the movie, did you find that to be uh, historically accurate, or did you roll your eyes when you saw the movie? Was it close to what actually uh, happened? The movie is good into a sense that still to this day, if it's on, I'm watching it because they did a really good job with the movie. Because with something like that, there's not just the Navy SEALs. And, you know, there's the air crew, the pilots, but especially the intel analysts. Someone's making the product, and it's about a woman that found Bin Laden who's real. And if you want to know what she was like, the movie's great. I can sit there at the end of it and pick apart the tactics as a tactician. Yeah. But, I mean, like, my biggest complaint about the movie as the SEALs was they've had their collars popped when they were throwing horseshoes. That's the only thing we wouldn't have done. Um, wow. The actors were awesome. The direction was good. The, um, uh, Jessica Chastain played the girl Maya, the woman oh, yeah. Maya that found the line. Yeah, um, she was accurate. And, and Maya, to this day, I'll never describe what she looks like or what her name is, but, but if you, one of the coolest, toughest people I've ever met was the woman that found Bin Laden. So it's wow. worth watching that movie even tonight just to see what she was like. Very, yeah. very cool, very impressive, very sure of herself. One of the favorite things she said in the movie that I loved is when the, the actor playing Secretary Panetta asked her, what else do you do for the agency? And her answer was, nothing. I do nothing else. I do this. Wow, wow. Let me ask you this uh, as someone, and I want to thank you for your service. I uh, can't imagine the sacrifices you made, and, and thanks for what you did. But I read a uh, statistic a few months ago that 70% of active duty military personnel and veterans are ashamed of Joe Biden's pullout in Afghanistan. What are your thoughts, sir? That was, that was an extremely rough time for all of us. Everyone I know from, yes, from soldiers on the ground to Marines on the ground, pilots, Navy SEALs. Uh, and you can tell by um, a lot of the interviews, myself included, that was on during that time, 
just absolutely disgusted with the complete lack of, of anything just for a political victory. They, they pulled out of, out of Afghanistan so fast because they wanted to have the 20-year anniversary of 9-11. We, we got us out of the war and we win, which was nonsense. It was stupid. It was political. If, if, we, if we talk about COP6, if I had my team from the bin Laden raid and you gave us two weeks to go back in time, plan the absolute worst way to leave Afghanistan, we would have come up with exactly what they did. Wow. Horrible, horrible ideas made by people who have never made good decisions as far as a foreign policy ever. Worst thing they could have done, any, any, anyone that's actually been on the ground and not in an office listening to someone who's only telling you what you want to hear so they can get promoted, would have told you this army that we've been training for 20 years is going to fall in three days. Any one of us could have thought, I've worked with them. I mean, we've had some good Afghans we've worked with, don't get me wrong. Um, but the majority of them, the majority of them weren't there for that, and they're not going to fight. They're going to, they're going to drop. It's like that old, uh, that old joke about uh, the. I can sell you a French assault rifle, never been fired, and only dropped once. <laughs> Let me uh, also before we go, the suicides by veterans and active duty personnel have gone through the ceiling after that. Uh, a day or two after you, after sacrificing so much, how did it impact you emotionally? Seeing uh, seeing terrorists get eighty five billion dollars worth of equipment, seeing terrorists wearing the boots you wore, the uniforms you wore, how did that make you feel, sir? I mean, it's just disgusting, and and the suicide rate is high too because you think of the think of the, think of some of the the men and women that joined after nine eleven and all they knew was war, yes, and sir. then it was taken away because of a uh, you know. A, a, a made-up political victory. It was hard on a lot of people, and, and, and I would tell I tell veterans now, too, that uh, if you're having a bad day, make sure you call someone. And here's something else important. If you're having a good day, call someone, because they might be having a bad day. And, that, Robert, and you know what? That's just, that's just good advice for everyone, too. You don't need to be a veteran to have some PTSD. If you're having a bad day, just pick up the phone and give someone a call. Get out of bed. Get outside. Uh, Amen. Yeah, Amen, it was, brother. It was tough. It was tough and a, lot, a lot of vets had a tough time. I've got a nephew who uh, uh, he went to Afghanistan. He served uh, two tours, watched his best friend get blown up beside him. And uh, he has PTSD, and he, won't, he doesn't talk to me anymore, doesn't talk to anybody. And I just I, I worry about him and others. Robert O'Neill, thank you for your time today, my brother. I greatly appreciate it. The book is The Operator Firing the Shots that Killed Osama Bin Laden in My Years as a SEAL Team Warrior. Uh, people can find you on uh, – you're still on Twitter, right? I'm on Twitter at Mikuya, um, robertjoneal.com, and i got to plug the new book. I wrote it with Please. the of Afghan, Afghan Heroes. Dakota Myers, a Medal of Honor recipient Marine, he and I just came out with a book called The Way Forward, and you can pre-order oh. now. It releases on March 1st. But robertjoneal.com, you can find all of it. Make sure you, you hashtag Team O'Neal because we're having a bet. Whoever sells the fewer books has to spend the night in a haunted house with cameras on them. <laughs> All right, so The Way Forward is coming out on March the 1st. We'll have you back on in March, okay? I'll tell you, anytime. Thank you. All right, bro, have a good one. That's uh, Robert O'Neill, the guy who killed uh, Osama bin Laden. Wow, absolutely awesome. Boom, 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 boom. By the way, from the uh, Olympics, and I didn't watch a single, I did not watch a single, well, I might have watched a second or two when I accidentally flipped through the channels and caught the Olympics and saw like two seconds of a speed skater, but otherwise, no. I'm not going to watch the Berlin Olympics, and I'm glad that it did a faceplant for NBC, and I'm glad that it's done a faceplant for China. It's been an embarrassment for China. But they don't have any uh, compassion, they don't have any empathy, so they don't feel shame. Finnish cross-country skier has suffered a, pardon, you know, just lit, mm, frozen penis. I, I said it. During uh, the Winter Olympics 50-kilometer race, then used a heat pack to thaw it out. 
suffering from unbearable pain. I can't even imagine. I've been kicked there. I can't imagine that frozen. But I guarantee you it take a long time to thaw out. Yeah, whatever. Anyway, <clears throat> Finnish cross-country skier used a heat pack to thaw out his genitals on Saturday. It was the second time that uh, Remy Lindholm had uh, suffered a frozen penis after uh, a race last year. It's kind of like a mammoth. You know, they always think about, you know, they'll find this mammoth all shriveled up and, and uh, you know, in a glacier. <laughs> it's kind of like Jurassic Park. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I mean, usually after you freeze your penis, uh, you might learn from that. <laughs> Might learn the telltale signs that your private parts are are being frozen. You know, it's just it's like dethawing a chicken before dinner. Anyway, the 24 year old was 28th place in the race. Uh, they shortened the they shortened the race. By the way, not, the, not you know to 30 kilometers because it was so cold. Beijing officials cut the race down after concerns over negative 17-degree conditions. Maybe they need, like, I got my wife some heated gloves for Christmas. Maybe they need a, a sheath for, for, for male cross-country skiers. Remy Lindholm was uh, forced to use a heat pack to end the race to thaw out his genitals after spending just under an hour and 16 minutes traversing the course in howling freezing winds. Uh, quote, you can guess which body part was a little bit frozen when, I'm, when I finished, he told Finnish media. One of the worst competitions I've been in. I can't think of anything worse, actually, than having my privates frozen. It was just about battling through. When the body parts started to warm up after the finish, was, the pain was unbearable. I, I, was, I did the walk this weekend with a snowblower, and my fingers, my fingers were like, oh, my God, they were like ice. Can you, I can't imagine running that under cold, uh, warm water or lukewarm water. Uh, it is the second time Lynn Holm has, been, uh, has suffered the painful injury. Well, but, but fortunately, it came back. Fortunately, things apparently <laughs> appear to be working. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Newsmax Daily with Rob Carson. Check your cable guide or NewsmaxTV.com. Or watch free on YouTube, Roku, Apple, Pluto, Zumo, Amazon Fire, and your smart TV. Newsmax, America's fastest growing cable news channel. Check NewsmaxTV.com for details.